Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we are back once again. Another day, another week, another episode of the Core Report. Black Broadway presents the Core Report. And you know what we do over here, y'all? We do the news. Daily, giving it to you, giving it to you real, giving it to you raw, giving it to you regular. You know what I'm saying? Hey, man, we got tons of headlines to go down today. It's been surprisingly a very, very active news day. If you watch the regular news, you wouldn't think so, though, because all we've been doing is unfortunately covering the funeral and the services of the late Honorable John Lewis, you know what I'm saying? And even his funeral is filled with a lot of news, a lot of things that people need to do some critical thinking about that, of course, Don Lemon and Anderson Cooper are not going to sit up there and have those discussions about. So, so on me. Let's get into it, man. Let's get right into it. 45's foolishness today, man. Foolishness. Everybody woke up and seen this tweet that 45 put out where he basically said and suggested that we need to postpone the elections or delay the elections until it's quote-unquote safe because mail-in voting will lead to the most inaccurate and unfair election in election history. This is the bullshit, and I said yesterday, as recently as yesterday, this is exactly what was going to happen in the United States. Bolivia is a live, living, breathing example of this in the flesh. This is happening in Bolivia right now. Bolivia's election results from last September have not been ratified by the government, and Bolivia's upcoming elections are very much so in danger and being pushed back and postponed. They're not scheduled. This is happening in America. We have less than 100 days to go. There is no consensus on this. However, it's important to know that the president does not have any power over the federal election system. Federal elections are an actual law that is a federal law that we are to have free and fair elections every first November, every four years. That's a federal law that it would take an act of Congress to rearrange or to bypass. Executive orders can't do it. I mean, obviously, force would be able to do it. But even within this pandemic, public health shutdowns, there's nothing, there's no precedent for canceling an entire election. But that is exactly what's being suggested by y'all president. You know what I'm saying? Again, the president doesn't have his power, but he's very interested in changing the entire scope of the power of the presidency. That's why the people that work for him work for him. That's why Bill Barr is his attorney general. That is why his Department of Justice reflects what it reflects. The Supreme Court, even to an extent, reflects what it reflects. These judges might have been making some liberal decisions recently, but trust me, they have all shown a leaning to what they call the imperial presidency, and that's what's happening right now. The imperial presidency, of course, needs blind supporters and blind faith sacrifices, unfortunately. And yo, crazy story. Herman Cain, former presidential candidate, former Republican presidential candidate, died today at the age of 74 due to complications from COVID-19. This man went to the Tulsa rally. This man is on the video in the rally with several other black people funding it up. Died. A few weeks later, yesterday, not yesterday, but earlier this week, we heard reports that he was still in the hospital. He wasn't doing well. He was on a ventilator. He passed away. That's real unfortunate, yo. Like, I'm not trying to make no jokes. Twitter is giving that man hell. 
I'm not trying to make no jokes because, again, that displays the vulnerable population. Louis Gomehurst got this shit. A couple of them. Matt Gates had got it. A few other people had got it. Where I haven't heard about no funeral services for them, but I got to hear about a funeral service for Herm- Herman Cain, 74-year-old black man, self-made millionaire, definitely an idiot when it came to the politics, but, hey, that's his business. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, he really took an L following this political hype that the government, that the president and his party, his administration have built up, that this shit isn't real. He lost his life playing around with that. This man signed a whole waiver to go to the Tulsa rally and say he wouldn't sue if he got COVID and died and died. That's crazy. I don't understand it, bro. Like I said, man, nobody wants to see anybody go out sad like that. It's not a positive place to be. John Lewis's funeral today, as I mentioned earlier, was what seemed to dominate the news cycle. Um, I was a little bit disappointed by that, especially considering my first story, what the president said as soon as we woke up in the morning, that is literally a red alert. Bring all the alarms. Let's get everybody out of the newsroom. The president basically has said that he is not interested in having an election in an election year. I'd have thought that had been the biggest thing in the world, and we would have been talking about that all day. John Lewis's funeral services aside, he deserves all the honor that he was getting in purpose. But his life mission was to end oppression. And it's whack when you got to have a funeral where your enemies, people who you actively fought against, people who actually actively work to suppress your work, your life's work, now get to come in and pay their respects and eulogize you and all of this bullshit. It really sucks, man. And, you know, I understand that man was 80 years old. He lived a lot of life. He died. He, I mean, I hear you, Rich. You might feel like he died for what he believed in. I personally feel like he died with a lot of what he believed in still on the table left to be accomplished. I feel like John Lewis, because of his participation in electoral politics, his shift away from the activism that the SNCC soon became to be hardcore known for to the point where COINTELPRO had to shut them down. By that time, John Lewis was out of the game. He wasn't with them. He was on a whole different level of political and social, you know, uh, conversations and movements and negotiations. That's where he was at. Meanwhile, Stokely Carmichael and H. Rap Brown were being labeled as radicals. And Stokely Carmichael got ran out of the country. And H. Rap Brown is still in jail right now, today, now, political prisoner. Today, H. Rap Brown, world famous. I didn't even really know that till today, for real. I was like, what? H. Rap Brown is still alive and he's still in jail? This is crazy, man. And you have to listen to that, brother. You have to listen to the things that he was saying. That made him dangerous. No disrespect to John Lewis. And John Lewis, he fought. He lived his life. He he took lumps. All of that. He took a lot of disrespect. He, he, he fought a lot of battles in Congress. You know what I'm saying? But he also was a part of the machine. He was, at one point in time, wielded as a tool recently where people said that, hey, man, I I can't be racist. Look, man, John Lewis, that's my guy. John Lewis came out and was like, yeah, 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 that's my guy. You know what I'm saying? Man, fuck that. I'm not going. You know what I'm saying? We are not rocking. I mean, and unfortunately, we in this game, and the way that it's played requires us to uh, compromise and to bend a bit. 
in order to even be in the game. But John Lewis was fighting for freedom, as I would like to say. I would like to see that the real freedom that him and Dr. King and all of them wanted to see established. And that's the freedom to just be yourself. You don't have to submit or fit into this American political system. You just be free. Be a black man, be a black woman, Latinx, you know what I'm saying, whatever you want to be, you know what I'm saying, trans, gay, whatever. Be free. That's all people want. And that's what people all over the world, again, are fighting over, man. Yo, the protest movement all across the world remains, remains strong. Here's the newest evolution of the protest movement right now. Evictions. Evictions are going to be an extreme problem moving forward in the next month or so. There are a lot of people that are under the guise of eviction all over the country. There, just today, in New Orleans, Louisiana, there was a massive protest in front of the court that handles most of the evictions, most of the evictions that are under $3,000 of tenants whose rent is under $3,000, which is obviously most of New Orleans. This eviction court was literally mobbed in the front and not allowed to open by residents protesting the upcoming evictions. This crowd was majority white. If you go on the internet, you go on Google, you go on Twitter, you can see a lot of live footage from this particular event. This crowd was majority white. They were peaceful protesters, unarmed. Nobody was out there with guns and flags or anything crazy like that. It was a protest against allowing the court to proceed with evicting thousands of people in the middle of a pandemic with no economic relief in sight. We're going to get to that later when we get to talking about what's going on on the Hill and their shenanigans. But yes, in the midst of all of this, in the midst of them trying to open up eviction courts and evicting people in New Orleans, Louisiana, the U.S. gross domestic product has dropped by 32.9%, the worst drop in history. There are, again, I like I always say, this money isn't real. These numbers or whatever, they're numbers. But $1.8 trillion was missing from the United States economic production in the last quarter. And that shit is devastating. Not only is it devastating to the you know, physical outcome of millions of Americans, billions of Americans, but it's also devastating to the United States world standing. And that's what's more important. I know we all have seen the graphics and the memes. This shit is real. The United States passport is only worth anything in a handful of places now. So all you assholes who was like, yo, man, I've got my passport. You guys got Jordans. You guys are stupid and ignorant. Yeah, I, my Jordans are, are holding up nicely right now. You look at the map. These J's might give me a few more places than that passport, to be honest. It's ugly out here. The United States government has really tricked us into believing the worst thing that we could possibly believe about them, which is that they're not incompetent. They are incompetent. They are incapable of running this franchise as it should be run correctly in order to be debt-free, in order to be self-sufficient, in order to be independent. That's not what we are. We owe countries, China specifically, and other countries, the Saudis, we owe people billions, trillions of dollars in order for our economy to be propped up as the paragon of success. It's incredible, it's silly, but again, since the United States hasn't been operating on the gold standard for quite some time, our standing in the world is propped up by our military might. 
And our military might is really just propped up by this country's propensity to violence. We are about that action when it comes to violence. And the newest, most violent force running the streets, I won't even say the newest, but the most violent force running the streets right now outside of the regular police departments is the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Bureau, otherwise known as ICE. ICE is hurt. They're literally publicly complaining about people comparing them to Nazis and comparing what they're doing to what happened in Germany in the early stages of the Nazi campaign. And guess what ICE's response is? Yo, we're just doing our job. That sounds woefully familiar. That is exactly, exactly what the Nazis said. That is exactly what they, how they felt. They were like, yo, we're just doing our job. We're just following orders, you know, God and country, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Yo, there's some stuff we're going to talk about with Germany, too, because it's very interesting how Germany is faring the best with the coronavirus, having a very similar economic advance, and the U.S. is making some very interesting moves in that country. More on that later. But back to the protest system, again, Portland, Oregon, fourth day, pardon me, 63rd day of protest, 63rd day consistently of protest, fourth day consistently of protesters being tear gassed in front of Portland, Oregon's federal courthouse. Listen, the governor of Oregon comes out today and says that she's made an agreement with the federal forces that are occupying the territory of Portland and the downtown part of Portland that they're going to pull out and they're going to stop arresting people and snatching people up and throwing them in the unmarked cars and shit. The federal forces, the commander of one particular bureau of these federal forces says that uh, we're not going anywhere. We're going to stay until we feel as though all federal property has been secured. That sounds like a forever mission to me. Sounds like a lot of occupation. And meanwhile, this is what the occupation of citizens get beat with, gets met with, excuse me. Denver's homeless encampment, which was home to over 200 displaced individuals. It was part protest. It was part real-life response and, and reaction to evictions, to joblessness, to displacement in Denver, Colorado, in Grant Park, pardon me, Lincoln Park. And the police raided it, swept it the other day. Protesters were injured. The hundreds, 200 people were now displaced. All of their belongings were thrown and trashed. Meanwhile, we're going through a whole pandemic, and this is what the police are up to. And not to mention, this isn't sanitarily safe either, because if you're unleashing these people onto the streets, where are they going to go, and how are they going to protect themselves from becoming spreaders of COVID-19? None of it makes any sense. Like I said, politicians politic, and it just goes on and on and on. On the Hill today, lawmakers after yesterday's kind of explosive hearings with the uh, the tech bros, the tech guys, whatever you want to call them, you know, Apple, Facebook, Google, and um, Amazon, after those four came to the hill and basically told these guys that, you know, we got it under control. You guys don't worry about it. You say we're too big. You say we control too much stuff. Don't worry. We're really keeping a close eye on all the stuff we control and, you know, we got it. Unfortunately, a lot of people aren't buying that act. And I mean, I should say fortunately, because like I said earlier, 
When Facebook bought Instagram, everybody was like, oh, cool. Hey, Instagram, those guys made a lot of money. When Facebook bought WhatsApp, oh, cool. Look at those guys. They made a lot of money. All this, these capitalistic dreams that people have, and they don't realize that in the midst of chasing these capitalistic dreams, you're sacrificing not only your individual freedom, but the freedom of all the people that have chosen to participate and entrust you with their data in this franchise. Because you're not selling this to like the most scrupulous people in the world. You're not selling this to people who are have you know your core users or the people who built your platform up to the point where it could be purchased like that, best interest in mind. For example, with this podcast, bro, I mean, I'm not in a hurry to sell this shit to Vice or Vox or nobody like that so they can tell me what the fuck to say and who I can talk about and who I can't talk about. I'd rather four people listen to this shit and not just spit my truth every day. And my truth is out there, the things that we've discussed, the ideas that we've proposed, the questions that we ask is documented. We asking these questions. We want to know these things. We don't want to live in a world where we're deprived of options. You know what I'm saying? And that's what really capitalism and this level of oppression, this level of autocracy that they're hitting us with is kind of trying to demand of us right now. You know what I'm saying? So these lawmakers on the Hill, again, they're questioning these guys up and down about their monopolistic tendencies. But who knows where that's going to go? And also, ultimately, it takes a lot of power to dissolve these corporations. And in order to redistribute the grip that they have on media, on production, on shipping, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to take strong government intervention because that's the only entity that will be large enough and organized enough to attack business. But those two are partners. So that's not going to happen. So here we are. Anyway, like I said earlier about Germany, Moving forward with those international moves that America has been making, the withdrawal, the troop withdrawal from Germany is one of the more interesting movements of the United States government. And it leans a lot into a few theories that a lot of people have had for quite some time, especially dating back to impeachment, that Trump is secretly working to enhance Russia's agenda. And he's doing anything in his power to possibly empower Vladimir Putin's position in the world and weaken the United States' position in the world, especially as it relates to Eastern Europe and controlling that other segment of the globe. The United States giving up Germany, like you said, Mitt Romney said that shit was a gift to Russia. They gave it up. I mean, I play chess. I don't know how many of y'all play chess, but I play. And when I watch a chess move happen, I think about not only what's being attacked, but what is being left vulnerable. And a lot of people don't realize, yeah, these troops, a lot of them are scheduled to come back. I think it was like 6,000 of them are scheduled, no, excuse me, 9,000 are scheduled to come back home and 3,000 were scheduled to rotate out to other bases across the world, et cetera, et cetera. Scary shit. That's very concerning, yo. And you have to ask yourself, what are these troop movements about? Who are they benefiting? And why aren't we being kept abreast of all of this? That, nobody's talking about this. I got to do a podcast every day so that somebody can talk about it because you're not going to really hear about this shit other than on Twitter or a collection of you know stories that's never organized and presented to you in one way for one perspective. So that's what we're doing here on The Core Report. Daily, 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 man. Listen, in the environment, as I mentioned in the tease earlier today, 
the administration has just decided that they don't give a fuck about the environment. Like, environmental issues are totally not even to be paid attention to. There is money to be made. There are plants to be run, opened and run. There are pipelines to be built. And this administration is moving aggressively in every way they can to forward the legislation, to pass the bylaws, to make sure that the executive orders go through that allow all of this shit to happen. They're even neutralizing and disbanding whole government agencies. The Chemical Safety and Hazard Commission has been neutralized. There is no governing body over pollution from chemical plants and anyone who produces and manufactures chemicals in the United States of America anymore. There's nobody to answer to. So meanwhile, we're talking about global warming and we're dealing with climate change. And I'm not going to sit here and stunt, bro. It's hot. It's higher than it used to be, man. It's just, it's crazy. I know a lot of people might feel like, oh no, it's hyperbole, et cetera, et cetera. No, there's too many contributing factors to this. And we know when we talk about heat index and shit, I always get mad about that. Because it's like, yo, if they say that the air temperature is 93, but the heat index is 101, motherfucker, it's 101. I'm not trying to boil water. I'm not trying to cook a turkey. I don't need the exact air temperature. I need to know what it feels like for a human being on human skin. And if it feels like 101, 102, 103 degrees, three, four days in a row in July... Something is amiss. Something is something's wrong, and there's a reason for everyone to be in alarm. And the people who contribute to destroying the environment, which we know is a part of this, should be held accountable, man. They should be held accountable, man. And it's crazy, yo. We should talk about Rich here. Comments. I love the comments. My man Rich saying, the Cold War when Russia was the USSR, America used the Taliban. Absolutely. These are all facts, Rich. Russia told us we would, listen, we have a long history of supplying both sides of the war and then riding with the winner and deriding the loser. And then when the loser wants to come back, we give them guns so they can fight the winner again because we're tired of the winner's shit. We, we do this constantly. It's, it's what we do as the United States of America as an imperialist, colonialist regime. That is what imperialism and colonialism is about. You keep people's territory divided by keeping them fighting one another, keeping them going at each other. You know what I'm saying? It gets disgusting, man. You know, like I said about this climate change thing, though, which is really ridiculous. Black counties, this is very interesting that they did a study. Scientists did a study. Environmentalists did a study and noted that black counties or majority black and Latinx counties in the United States of America are predicted to be hotter than white counties markedly by degrees, by several degrees in the years to come due to climate change. That's a crazy statistic and a crazy study to be done. But the fact is that that's something that a lot of people have been talking about in the upcoming times, especially leading to the election. This one of parts of uh, Joe Biden's platform, environmental racism, the fact that processing plants and electricity plants and garbage dumps and landfills tend to exist in very close proximity to black communities and neighborhoods of color and working class areas. I mean, listen, you do not know where the landfill is in Chevy Chase. You know what I'm saying? You don't see any transformers or any humongous power plant 
uh, action going on up there in MacArthur Park or anything like that. They got their own reservoir up there. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a whole different world going on and a whole different attention to the standard of living that people go through environmentally. And to have scientists actually studying this and letting us know that this is going to be a contributing factor to our lives in years to come. Not just our lives, but our general health, especially as we move forward with COVID and the mutation and the development of this novel virus. So, yo, it's crazy. It's wild. But that's what our legislators, our lawmakers have, I guess, on deck for that. In our local jurisdiction right now in D.C., a lot of us, I know a lot of parents, you know, we already knew it was going down, but it's now official. D.C. has decided that they're going to go full online, all the way online, no hybrid, no in-person classes at all, until at least November 6th. Now, after the story that I hit yesterday, of course, there is a full push to get computers in all the kids' hands and make sure that all the kids have computers, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I mean, I thought that that was the case in March, but whatever. Let's try this again. And I am definitely going to aggressively be um, pursuing computers. They say that the registration and the, you know, the availability of computers is beginning now. Uh, School starts on August 31st, gang. So we got to get on top of that, man. We have got to get on top of that, man. I don't know what best management practices are, Rich, but if you can put me on, I'll do some research and I'll report back about that. You know what I'm saying? Because the thing about, you know, environmental racism and, and inequity and education policy and all of that is that so many of those things are outside of our control. There's so many things. I mean, there are lots of kids in D.C., like I reported yesterday on the numbers of the children in this system who don't have high-speed internet, let alone have computers. You know what I'm saying? There's more that more didn't have high-speed internet, but still a very significant number of children didn't have computers, man. You know what I'm saying? It's very, very crazy, man. So, you know, you got to think about the factors that you do have control over and what you don't have control over and try to, you know, band together to change those things. So if best management practices are something that the community can enact and do that shit, I want to know all about it so we can do that together. Anyway, in the line of education, one thing I used to always say about being from D.C., growing up in D.C., yo, you could be smarter than the average bear just by paying attention, just by reading the shit that's on the wall, reading the placards and the podiums that are around town, finding out whose statue is whose, and mainly, mainly going to the museum. That was a big part of being educated in Washington, D.C., having the ability to go to any museum that was in Washington, D.C., that's a part of the Smithsonian Network, for absolutely free. I realized as I got older that that wasn't the case in other cities, states, countries, whatever. Like, you had to pay to go to the zoo. Or you had to pay to, like, go to the Museum of American History or the Museum of Natural History. And that just seemed wild to me. Shit, that shit was, it was like that in New York. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is crazy. You know what I'm saying? But now, due to COVID-19, they just did a survey of 760 directors of museums all across the country. And overwhelmingly, they say that at least or, or around 12,000 institutions will permanently close, like never open again. I got to tell you, yo, that is devastating. That's going to be devastating to the pursuit of knowledge. 
One thing I've been saying since this whole pandemic started, and I've been super serious about it, compile those books, man. Stack those books, G. Because, listen, you're going to need them. They are not going to be as accessible as they used to be. The truth, the knowledge, like basic things that we take for granted as knowing as fact and seeing physical evidence of them in museums or in books, bro, that's not going to be a thing anymore. And with the closure of 12,000 museums, I mean, just think about how many places in the world that, or in the country, should I say, that that's going to leave without that resource. There's going to be whole swaths of the country that just don't have a museum at all. Like, I doubt if they close the Smithsonian or something like that, but I don't know. Who knows, man? That's such a major feature of downtown. They rebuilding the Air and Space Museum as we speak. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. So we'll see what happens with all of that, man. It's a very interesting and very strange time. Speaking of books, too, I do like this place, so I got to big them up in the story, man. Kramer Books and DuPont is staying open. Shout out to that, man. I really grew up going in and out of there, you know what I'm saying, getting books, getting, you know, all type of shit, eating coffee, been on wild dates, all types of crazy shit, man. Kramer Books, man. Shout out to Kramer Books, man. I'm glad they're going to stay for at least three more years, you know what I'm saying, in DuPont Circle. Uh, They said that they have a different agreement with their... Uh, landlord now. So we'll see how that all works out. You know what I'm saying? In Virginia, also along the local lines, Virginia, the governor is asking for a an extension on Virginia's ban of evictions because there will be widespread homelessness across the state of Virginia. And I know Virginia is somewhat of a, a purple state now, really hard-leaning blue. So these conservatives and all of that, they don't really, really, really empathize with Virginia in name as much as they used to, but the people know who the fuck out Virginia and all those white folks and all them trailer fox and all of those Richmond, Charlottesville, whoopie whoop, blah, blah, blah. Listen, yo, you start kicking them folks out, it's going to be issues. It's a lot of guns floating around Virginia, as we've been discussing all year. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be serious issues. That's not something that the government wants. Certainly not the governor of Virginia, who has shown himself to be a coward on every occasion possible. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Rich, I just got to respond to this real quick. You can't say the landfill's next to the white community because we went to the landfill the other day, my G, in fucking Fort Totten, right next to where I grew up and went to elementary school. So I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? As I was saying, though, about Virginia and that whole demographic, that's, again, that demographic, they don't never, you know, people might try to downplay their rage in the sense of it's not as alarming or shocking as black America's rage just because they put us on TV and show us burning a trash can and make it seem like it's just the worst thing that ever happened in the world. That's propaganda. White America, as is witnessed by those protests in Michigan and several other places when it came to social distancing and all of that, bro, those people do not fuck around when it comes to uh, mistrust and dissension in the government. You know what I'm saying? When they show their dissatisfaction with the government, it's in a very, very vocal and very aggressive way. Virginia doesn't want any parts of that. So shout out to Governor Northam for, you know, at least seeing the forest for the trees when it comes to that. You know what I mean? Oh, man. Another thing, another thing, another thing that's coming back. Bro, sports is back. So all of us sports junkies or whatever, I'm sure we're very excited. The NBA is back tonight, man. I'm sitting in the crib and I'm watching it. 
And me and my brother, we talking about it. We're, he's texting me back and forth. I'm like, yeah, this is cool, but I don't know. I don't know. It could be the future, but it couldn't be. Like, the Zoom fans on the side is, like, very interesting. But I don't know. How do you incentivize people to want to be a Zoom face at an NBA game? I mean, I could just watch it on ESPN. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I think about all the people whose jobs are gone and all the people whose livelihood has been dramatically affected by this loss of NBA traveling, NBA stadium revenue, and yet we still want to pretend like it's all good so we can just have a season, we can hand out the championship, and it's all cool. Not to think about niggas who was ushers and vending stand owners and security and valet parkers and all of that. I mean, the ball boys, you know what I'm saying? The people who wipe the sweat off the floor. I'm looking at the game, and the court's so big, and the spacing is so wide, like the players are all off in a, a penalty box like it's hockey and on the bench, and like the dudes who sweep the floor, they got to come from all the way out, down the outside the building to do it. And every time they do a wide shot, you can just tell this is like the grand ballroom at like the Renaissance, and it's just kind of tacky, bro. But, you know, whatever. They said we could have social justice logos on our jersey, so I suppose that happened, and that was pretty cool. Um, Brandon Jefferson is wearing uh, freedom on the back. <laughs> no, Brandon Ingram is wearing freedom on the back of his jersey. Somebody, yo, I think Donovan Mitchell got Sayer name on the back of the jersey. I'm like, look, bro, we just want the police to stop killing black folks, man. We did not sign up for all this other cootery and chicanery. It's, it's quite frankly, it's insulting. That's how I feel. But at the end of the day, I mean, I'm sure somebody feels like, yeah, this is keeping the message of social justice out there. This is keeping everybody in the game. I disagree, but whatever. I'm just one guy. You know what I'm saying? But the NBA is back. Bron Bron and them playing tonight. That's why I'm trying to hurry up and get up out of here because I know y'all want to watch the Lake Show. So I'm going to go ahead and let you get my headlines off and we can watch the late show as a community and see what's happening. Cause I'll tell you one thing I just noticed. They couldn't have been spending all this time during quarantine practicing. Cause uh, folks were rusty out there. And I don't know, maybe it was cause it's the Pelicans and the jazz, but it wasn't looking like top tier NBA basketball to me. The NCAA has also joined in with the NBA. This is interesting. And said that they're going to allow, um, players to put social justice messages on the back of their jerseys as well. Man, listen, the NCAA is full of cap. Because at the end of the day, if you want to let me put anything on the back of my jersey and I'm playing college athletics, it's going to be my cash app. It's going to be my Venmo. Stop playing with me. Pay me. You know what I'm saying? These people are disrespectful. They've been using college athletes for decades as the primary source of revenue for lots of huge universities that have a reputation for having very good athletic, you know, programs. Duke, for example. But how many people, how many black people are they admitting to Duke medicine versus how many black people play for the Duke Blue Devils? You know, I'll let you get back to me about the math there. I'm, I'm pretty sure the ratios are off. However, what I'm saying is the NCAA is trying to get on board and do anything they can to save their season. I don't know if they're, I don't, I doubt if they're going with the bubble concept, but I don't know because college is online. So, you know what I'm saying? We really don't know. 
We really can't tell what the fuck is going to happen out there. Meanwhile, ah, man, I tell you, in entertainment, man, and this is where I got to just leave it, bro. Entertainment, this is my this is my good news story for the day. This, this made me feel good. Man, my guy Loon is free, man. Loon got freed up, man. Loon, I forgot Loon's real name. I didn't even, I'm not even going to use Loon's government slave name. He became a devout Muslim while he was in jail. He's been in jail for nine and a half years of a 14-year sentence that he was given for conspiracy to distribute and intent to distribute narcotics. Sounds like another brother getting caught up in the drug game, another nonviolent offender sentenced to spend several years, almost a decade clean of his life behind bars. He was, however, today or this week, should I say, the beneficiary of a compassionate release due to COVID. His um his mom, she's not positive with COVID, thank God, but she's getting up, up in years and she has her own health issues and she's taking care of her mom who is 90 years old. I can totally relate to that. That's like the same circumstances that I'm dealing with, you know, in my life. My mom, who is in her 60s, is taking care of my grandma, who is 94. This is real life shit, you know what I'm saying? So they gave Loon a release, man. He said, you know, he, he plans to stay low. He's not coming out with a mixtape or no crazy shit like that. As I said, man, the rubber is a devout Muslim now. His name is Amir Jahida Mutada. And, yo, shouts to Amir, man. Welcome home, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, yeah, man, ladies and gentlemen, I think that's going to do it for the Core Report Thursday night edition. Um, I don't know. We, we'll see if we go through the Core Report on Friday. But, man, like, Yo, 45 episodes deep, man. I got to thank everybody for all the love, for all the support. I couldn't stop. I couldn't keep doing it if it wasn't for, you know, just the the modicum, whatever support I get, yo, just know it means a lot. So I wouldn't go Hollywood when it's a whole bunch of people trying to be on the wave, which is going to happen because what we're doing here is important. We're giving the news, man. We share information and we're getting people to think critically. That's the most important thing. Think about all of these headlines that you're being spoon-fed day after day, in and out, critically. Think about why certain things aren't leading this, the news block and why certain things are lower in the news block. Think about why they only put certain personalities on on the late-night shift. It's all a part of media's attempt to control our lives, control the narrative of our lives, yo. We got to live our lives, yo. Like I tell my son all the time, like, this shit ain't no movie. Like, we got to live our life. Like, there ain't going to be no hero come out to save us. There's all this stuff that John Lewis fought for and lived and died for, we still got to fight for. We still fighting for it. There's no happy endings here. Ain't no walk off into the sunset. So keep fighting. Keep your head up. And remember, things work out the best for those to make the best of the way that things work out. Every day, Quote Report, man, check us out online. Check us out on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, you know what I'm saying? Patreon. The Patreon link is up, yo. Black Broadway at Patreon. Please check it out. Link us. We adding more content as we speak. And we'll see y'all later. Peace.